everybody. Welcome to another edition of We Talk Photo, our nature and landscape photography podcast. I am one of your hosts, John Peterson, and with me as always is Mr. Jack Graham. How you doing, Jack? John, it's April 1st. Oh yeah, it is April 1st. The rain's stopping. The rain's stopping, and I think we're on our way to uh, some some uh, some nice uh, nice spring weather here. I think so. spring oh, is around the corner. Good. Yep, I think it's, it's good. good. Baseball started today, and I know we have a guest who will introduce here in a minute from Colorado, and I watched Colorado play baseball today. And it was uh, it's all good. Life is uh, life is pretty good. Yeah, so you're happy. Sunshine and baseball it doesn't get much better than that. Not much better than that. Well, it does. Like, I, I could be out, you know, I could be out holding a camera. That would be better. But Yeah, yeah. Better than sitting in the office, that, for sure. That, that'll be tomorrow. That'll be tomorrow. Yep. So it, it's, a, it's a real pleasure to have our guests here to, today. John, I'm going to let you introduce Matt. Go ahead. All right. So his name is Mr. Matt Payne, and Matt hails from Colorado. Used to be an Oregon resident, and... Uh, Lived fairly close to me. This is the second round. We have uh, uh, we had another guest on uh, just recently who lives uh, just a couple miles from me. So for some reason, I keep picking up some Northwest or ex-Northwest artists. But uh, Matt and I have been uh, friends on social media for a while. And Matt runs a really successful podcast that we'll talk about. And he's just has a he's very passionate about photography is passionate about the the profession of photography and does a lot of work to help promote anybody and everybody and just promote photography in general and his work is over the top gorgeous and uh so with that i'll welcome matt Payne to the podcast how you doing matt i'm great thanks for the uh thanks for the kind words and jack i'm sorry you had to watch the rockies play today that must have been excruciating um, not, not in the least, because they beat the Dodgers today, eight to five, and and the Dodgers are uh, not my favorite team. I, I grew up in New York, so uh, for those of you who care, uh, I'm a New York Mets fan. And now you can, I mean, when you look at my photography, you feel sorry for me. But now you know I'm a Mets fan, you could really feel sorry for me. But anyhow, Matt, thank you for being here. Um, you know, John, one funny thing, when you told us, uh, when you told me that we were going to do this a few weeks ago, uh, I knew, you know, I knew the name and I'm saying Matt Payne. And I looked and sure enough, I have Matt's uh, blog or uh, podcast, which we'll talk about in a little while. I have it bookmarked. So, uh, you know, now I have the voice with the um, the name and and it's a pleasure 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 to have you here matt and it's a great podcast i hope we're going to talk about that in a little while <clears throat> awesome well so matt, to, so uh, matt with that why Russia, don't you so for those folks that don't know you why don't you spend a little bit and just sort of introduce yourself to our audience and sure yeah so um, I live in Durango, Colorado. I've been a landscape and nature photographer for a little bit over a decade now. Uh, did a did a brief stint uh, living in Portland, Oregon, um, where I did a a really poor job of capturing the beauty of the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> and I, I have a lot of unfinished business in that part of the world. But uh, um, you it's know, I got... wait. don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's just so much to shoot there, and. You know, I, I was, uh, you know, I was just so caught up in living in Portland and, and going to breweries and, 
you know, enjoying a totally new uh-huh. place to live. Yeah, man. So, you know, I my photography was kind of got put on the back burner a little bit when I lived there. So, um, well, my, you could have gone to the breweries and then put the camera in the the P as in professional, the P <laughs> mode, and went out and autofocus P mode and and a six pack. You never know what you can have. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's what I do now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so well, yeah, I mean, my uh, my my passion in photography started uh, because of my my goal to climb the highest hundred mountains in Colorado, and so really photography started out for me as a means for just documenting my hikes and climbs, and quickly through that journey, I realized that the photography part was as enjoyable, if not more enjoyable, uh, than the mountain climbing itself, and it's obviously a really fantastic um, synergistic. A uh, pair of pair of hobbies to to engage in, and so um, a lot of my early work was based in um, kind of you know getting up at two in the morning and climbing to the tops of mountains and photographing sunrise from the top and figuring out how to do that with a camera and all that fun stuff. And um, you know it's um, it's evolved quite a bit over the years. I've uh, um, I don't know it's uh, it's been it's been a really fun journey, and I'm sure you guys. Having been in the game for a while, you, you, I'm sure your journey has evolved in lots of different directions as well. But I think you know that's one of the most exciting aspects of landscape and nature photography is the journey that you go on. Oh, for sure. The I mean, journey every day, never ends. Every day is completely different, and the learning and experiences are never the same. You know, that's What's really cool. Is that your, your journey never ends? You know, no. I mean, you're still when you think you when you think you're you know, you're at the point where your work is, you know, really, really good. If, if probably, you probably, <laughs> probably said a bit close, but you know, uh, the journey never ends. And you, Matt, you remind me of, uh, uh, I'm going to date myself now again. It sounds like a, a Galen Rowell, uh, experience because those of you who knew of Galen knew he was a mountain climber prior to being a great photographer and, that led into photography for him, and it sounds like you you were in the same ballpark. Yeah, I just uh, held up a copy of Mountain Light. Um, absolutely, I love Galen Rowell's work. He's super inspirational. I mean, he he kind of pioneered uh, this style of, of photography, and you know, I actually didn't even know about Galen until well after I was into photography. But uh, when I started reading Mountain Light, I was like, yes, that's exactly it. That's right. You know, I was yeah. like, it's just. It's so resonated for me. So, yeah, absolutely, man. Matt, have you read The Inner Game of Outdoor Photography that Galen wrote? I, I have not. Well, please, when we get done here and everybody else, about half of it has to do with film, but the other half has to do with his experiences. And, Matt, you would love the book. Yeah. Uh, when you get done here, just please go buy, buy a copy. And if you can't find it, you'll be able to. Matt, if you call me, I've got a couple extra copies. I'll be happy to get one to you. So yeah, it's, it's, a good it's book. an amazing book. I think it's one of the best books that Galen uh, ever, ever written, ever, ever wrote. And uh, you should read it. If, if anybody else, you'd really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'd definitely be into that. So Matt, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, the journey since we used that word a couple of times uh, just a few minutes ago and, and, and kind of your journey of how you've evolved as a photographer to the place you're at today. 
Yeah, I would love to talk about that. Um, you know, as I alluded to earlier, early on in my photography career, um, it was really all about um, documenting my experiences. And um, as I'm sure you guys would agree, uh, the, the, the more you pick up a camera and the more you use it when you're out there, the more connected you are to those moments. And and those experiences, I think there's actually been some scientific studies that show that um, photographers, uh, you know, landscape and fine art photographers that um, have photographs of places and, and experiences, they have a much more connective um, memory of those experiences and people that don't use cameras. And so um, for me, that was something I realized very very early on is is that the camera was a really great way to kind of memorialize and solidify and strengthen the experiences that I was having in the outdoors and in nature. And so, um, you know, way back then it wasn't about mastery of composition or, um, you know, I really didn't even have a great understanding of light. It was really just about reacting to the things that I found myself experiencing or, or things that I found, you know, crossing the my path on and and um and you know as you get more and more into photography you want to be better and better at it so you start getting you start going online or reading books or going into forums or you know back then i think it was early days of 500 px and and i think if i if i were to be totally honest with you guys um that outward focus kind of uh poisoned me a little bit um yeah. i i started join the crowd yeah i um I, I really started focusing on like, oh, how do I make my photos look like their photos? And how do I do, how do I, how do I, where, where was that taken? And, oh, I want to take that picture too. And so um, quickly it was about like, you know, figuring out where people took different photos and learning different editing tricks and techniques. And then, you know, you go out with those kinds of intentions and you quickly become very disappointed because, those those experiences are their experiences and that's what they were able to capture and that's what they were able to create with their artwork and if you're going out with an expectation that that's what you're going to do yourself you're going to be super super disappointed in what you come home with i think yeah. um <clears throat> at least that was my experience and it took me gosh probably four or five years of doing that to realize it was really not very conducive to growing as a photographer or an artist that was those were unfortunately that's when I lived in Oregon and um, that's why a lot of my Oregon photography is very derivative it's like oh yeah he's got that shot of that place that that guy also has of and um, well, you, well yeah. you know yeah. we've, we've talked a little bit about you know when you're first starting out it's 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 a reasonable expectation to emulate not duplicate or replicate <clears throat> but emulate some of the photographers that you like as a way of learning um, but, you know, at some point, you know, if you go outdoors with a with a preconceived notion of what shot you want, you're completely closed off to any other possibilities except for that preconceived notion of, of, of how you went outdoors, you know? Yeah, it's um, it's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah is. Well, you know, do, imitation uh, with the with you know going out to imitate a photograph to learn basic basic stuff i mean this happens in very early in one's growth as a photographer and you know if you just buy a camera and you're really new at this and you want to figure out you know how somebody took this photograph to make it look the way it looked you know god bless you do it 
you know, and learn and learn from it. But then I think everybody figures out that, you know, that's, that it's been there, done that. Now it's time to move on to creativity, you know? So, so my, sorry, I kind of derailed your story. So, you know, you were, you would progress through that sort of emulation phase. Well, you know, what's interesting is that um, I feel like before that phase kicked in, I was actually a better photographer. You know, I was I was more reacting to interesting subjects that I came across in the field. Um, perhaps my compositions weren't as good or maybe my editing or my understanding of light wasn't as good as it is now. But um, I think I was a better uh, creative photographer before that. Um, in fact, before I moved to Oregon, I was, you know, locally, I was winning all kinds of awards for, you know, creative images and stuff like that. And they were super unique. I don't think they were like really great images, but they were totally different. Um, and then for some reason I got caught up in that whirlwind of wanting to validate my existence as a photographer, um, and compare myself to others and try to try to live up to other people's um, accomplishments, and you, you know what I think causes that, Matt. I really do, and a lot of people. I don't know. If I, I don't know if it's popular to talk about it, but I think that I think that people want to get. You know, you say to yourself, "Well, how am I going to get known in this business? Yep. How how am I going to get my work out? Well, I'm going to get my work out by, you know, doing what everybody else is doing and doing what." is on 500 PXs and social media and being told by a lot of people who kind of can't even spell the word photography, how great you are. And, you know, you figure that's, that's how to do it. And that's not how to do it. How to do it. It's like how to get good. You want to be a good cook or be a good plumber. You want to be a good, whatever, just get good. If you get good, you're going to be found. Just get good. Don't worry about being told how great you are and on 500 px and what have <laughs> you, because it's a it's a rut. You get into this rut, and yeah. you know um, you want to buy likes. I keep telling people when we're done with the podcast, those of you listening to this, go to Google and type in "buy Facebook likes." <laughs> I'm not I'm not kidding you. Oh, you can cool, buy man. you can buy ten thousand likes for about twenty bucks. Yeah, and, and you want to be you want you know it's all it's it's crazy, but you know um, it's not abnormal for you to do have done that. I did it. Uh, I know a lot of other people. A lot of people have done it, but those of us who have been around this for a few years figured out that <laughs> it's a dead end in, in terms of growth. And and well, reward. I mean, it's not a rewarding experience when you're constantly chasing other people's approval. You know, we always say that we got to shoot for ourselves, but you know, that's where the true, I think, reward is—is is that experience and shooting for yourself. Yeah, for sure. I think um, I think there is like a dopamine spike for some people. You know, if you do yeah. have a successful image, and you know, one interesting facet about me is I have a master's degree in clinical psychology. So I'm constantly Uh-oh. thinking of, I'm constantly <laughs> introspectively analyzing myself and others. And, you know, what, what I will say is, um, yeah, like that kind of 
trying to seek out validation is is very poisonous and it also comes with some really insidious social behavior i can only i can speak for myself in terms of like you know things that i've done that i'm not proud of in terms of like leaving really negative comments about people's work or you know like trying to put people down or being super competitive and pointing out things that you don't like about you know what other people are doing and i think you know that outward um focus causes us to do all kinds of things that just really is not conducive to becoming a better photographer and a better artist and a better person right yep yep i was just gonna say that thank you totally agree totally i only say that because that's i you know i can only say that for myself that that's you know looking back hindsight being 2020 there's some things that i've said and done that you know wasn't great and and yeah (laughs) We we've all done it though, Matt, and we've all done it, and hopefully have moved moved out of that. So, yeah, moved past it for sure. Um, Matt, you know, b- before the podcast, we were talking a little bit, um, and you had you had sort of mentioned a little bit of your kind of methodical approach to how you take photographs today. You know, it's really kind of slowing down and and um, being present and connected to your environment um what what caused that shift in you yeah there was a very specific day actually that where this happened um i it was in 2017 i had taken a week off of work to go photograph fall colors about three hours away from my house and i went to a location that i'd been to about three or four times before and this particular location has about, you know, four or five very classic scenes that everyone shoots. And um, I, I remember the first morning that I got up from my campsite, I went to one of those spots expecting conditions, uh, you know, better than I had before. And the photograph I got was not any better than the one I got before. And I had... Yeah. I, <laughs> and of course, you know, I just felt this overwhelming kind of like, I'm, this is such a waste of time. I'm not having fun. Why am I doing this? Um, this is, this is just, I don't, this is dumb. Like, why am I doing this? So what I decided to do is I, uh, I looked on my map and I saw that there was a trail about a half mile away from me. And I was like, I just need to get back to my roots of how I got into this. I just need to hike a trail that I've never hiked before and see what I can find. And if I find something great to photograph, awesome. And if I don't, who cares, you know? And so I hiked up this trail and I literally had never seen any photographs from this trail or anywhere along where this trail took you. Um, So I had no idea what I was going to find. And of course I get to the top of this trail and I hiked along the rim of this mesa and discovered this incredible overlook um, of this scene that I had never seen before from any other photographer. And of course, the conditions were amazing. This thunderstorm was coming in from the west, and uh, the mountains were covered in snow, and the all the aspen trees below in the valleys were all covered, you know, gold and yellow. And uh, it was just a dream moment for me. And I was like, I would have never have found this shot if I was chasing other people's work or if I was just going to classic spots that people have already discovered. Um, and so for me, that was kind of a wake up moment to realize that, uh, 
that that what I truly value in my photography and my approach is to um, really just focus on the experience of being in nature and not try to force anything to happen and then just be super open to finding things and reacting to things that uh, may present themselves and you know that could be a smaller scene of like a leaf on a log or it could be some ferns or it could be like a mid-zoom shot with a couple of trees um, really the possibilities are endless when you're not hyper focused on nailing a very particular shot so yeah. um, for me that really opened up um, an entire world of opportunity for me um, and I will say from that point forward my photography has significantly improved wow yeah that's awesome that's awesome I love I love the point about being open and receptive to to what's around you and because there's so many amazing um, unique compositions right at our foot you know right right down at our feet you know just off the trail just around that bend that other people have never shot or shot the way you have and 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 we won't get those compositions unless we're open to these things and uh, so yeah I really appreciate that about you that was a, that was cool thank you and not only that you know sometimes if you walk you know three feet to the right or three feet to the left or two feet lower than where you're looking um, you have a totally different view of what you think you're looking at and you know but for those of you again who who are saying well i hear this from everybody and you hear it from successful photographers folks and i hate to say it but it's how you it's how you get good you know yeah. um being over prepared sometimes can be as as have such a negative impact you'd be better off leaving leaving a battery out of your camera you know and not being because being all prepared just it just it just sometimes works against you you know yeah it can stifle creativity yeah. is what it can do yeah for sure it can. well matt let's um let's let's change topics a little bit real quick i want to hear more about your podcast which is absolutely awesome i listen to it, it Cool. Yeah, so my podcast is uh, F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen, which uh, I can take zero credit for the name of that podcast. <laughs> my my wife came up with it. She's a pop culture nerd, and um, and I'm sure some people will be familiar with the Vanilla Ice song, you know, Ice Ice Baby, and Stop, <laughs> Collaborate, and Listen. So uh -huh. it's based on that with a little, you know, double entendre. But it also has like a you know several layers of meaning because um, it's give about that, give that you say that say it again for everybody um, so everybody gets it everybody get your pencils out write this down <laughs> f stop collaborate and listen <laughs> wow yeah I hope everybody could spell all those words you know I, I honestly when i was trolling <laughs> when i was trolling stuff i saw the title of this podcast and that's that um believe it or not I, it made me smile and that's a little bit what uh, what drew me in I, I knew about you and the podcast but 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 really um that title kind of was a hook to to bring me further in not that i like vanilla ice but, <laughs> sure 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 but i like the i like the reference it's kind of funny 
Yeah, and um, I will just say that the, uh, you know, it, it works well, though, for what I'm trying to do with the podcast, because, you know, it's, you know, F-Stop is about f- photography, and then the collaborate part is I'm collaborating with lots of other people all over the world and trying to promote other people and their work, and, and you know, it's been an, a fantastic experience just connecting with people and understanding their journeys and their stories and you know I would be lying if I didn't say that I don't get a ton out of doing the podcast you know I'm I'm learning constantly from what my guests have to share and 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 teach and and just you know being open to listening to people's um, perspectives and that's really helped shape me and for sure made me a a better photographer and probably a better human being as well (laughs) for for true I mean But um, when we were talking before the podcast, what really what's what's really awesome is is doing these podcasts for, you know, both you and for us. It's a great excuse to meet people and and kind of going back on our on our comments about the journeys never ending. I mean, the more we can collaborate with everybody, learn from others, and it just continues to grow our knowledge and our experience that will eventually just make us better. Not yeah, better absolutely. people or better photographers, just better. I mean, the more, the more. I mean, humans are social creatures, and the more we connect with others, it it creates more good, I think, in the world. So, well, the the more you can learn other perspectives too, and yeah. other views of doing things. But you know, it's amazing. And if you go back, John, uh, you know, the last four or five podcasts that we've had, you know, the way that these really, really quality photographers go about their business is not very dissimilar. It's pretty much all the same. And I think what Matt's trying to do, uh, as well as us and some other folks who run some good podcasts are to, you know, kind of maybe give back a little bit and educate some folks and open up some eyes and minds to the fact that, you know, the way to learn how to be a, a good photographer, and A, never ends, B, you need to slow down, and B, and C, you need need to learn from a lot of different people and perspectives, and, yep. and then kind of put it in the pot and figure out how you like to cook it, and then make your own, um, your own, your own menu. Special sauce, yeah. Make it work. Yep, yep. Yeah, and embrace the embrace the journey, embrace the experiences, embrace the failures. You know, um, I think that's not to go back what we were talking about before, but I think that's why a lot of people don't, you know, do that. Some of that stuff is because it it it's a it also comes with a lot of really bad photos, right? Like, yeah. I mean, there's trips where I've gone out and I've come home with almost nothing that I'm that that's worth sharing. And but you know what? Who cares? Like, it was an amazing hey, time. Matt, there are trips so I go out. I don't even take camera out of the back. It's okay. Oh, that's a sin. It's okay. <laughs> it's no, okay. So you know, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what else people should do. Go back and look at your images from five or ten years ago. Oh, yeah. And I got to tell you, if your stuff, has, if you have not improved your images in the last three years, if four years, if you're not taking a better photograph than you were four years ago today, you need to work on it. You really do. Um, you really do. I, I call it my three-year rule. Um, and, and go back and look at them and, and, and learn from them. And, you know, it's not that they're bad. It's just that that's where you were 
when you were there and, 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 and it's okay. So, you know, Matt, you, you're not alone, John and I and everybody else. Mm-hmm. We've, we've, uh, we've, I can tell you, I've been in, I've been in galleries in Las Vegas and all over the place. I won't mention any names, <laughs> you know, and some of these images are very average, but you know what? The carpet's eight inches thick and the lighting's good and the, the framing and the, the, you know, it's all quality, but the images are, you know, they're really not that, not that amazing. And, no. um, you know, but it's okay. Just go back and look at your old stuff. And, and learn from it, you know, and yeah. don't feel constant bad. Constant growth, it. constant learning. So, Matt, no, I wanted a... to ask you about nature first, oh, okay. if you want to talk about that. I think you're a, you're one of the founders of that. Is that true? It is true. Yep. So, um, why don't you give us a, a highlight of what Nature First is? Uh, you think I would be good at this because <laughs> I've probably given this 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 speech about forty five times in the last month, but um, I'm I'm happy to do so. Uh, because one of our principles is to to share the the principles of nature first. So, um, so in a nutshell, without taking up 400 hours of your time, uh, nature first all started um, uh, with the work of a photographer in, in Estes Park. His name is Eric Stensland, and um, the origin story of nature first I think is just as important as the organization itself, in my opinion. Um, so, so in a nutshell, Eric. Um, does all of his photography almost exclusively in Rocky Mountain National Park. And he goes to some pretty remote locations in the park and has some unique shots there that most other people don't have. And there was a particular place that he had gone to, you know, maybe back in like 2015, 2016 or something like that of this high alpine lake and full of wildflowers and just a beautiful scene. And he returned to the lake a few years later and found it was just completely decimated. Um, and what he came to kind of realize was that it was because of um, his, his promotion of that place through his work as a photographer in his guidebooks and in his gallery and in his uh, web presence and all of that. So he he kind of had a, you know, he kind of had a guilty moment of like, oh my God, look what I have done through, because I, I think he pretty much had realized he was the only person who had been to that lake really to photograph it um, before. No one had done it before him. And so he assembled um, and reached out to a bunch of other photographers in Colorado to find out if other people had had similar experiences. And, and of course, a lot of us have been seeing a lot of the places that we love to photograph just, you know, get steamrolled with increased traffic with Instagram and, um, you know, just places that just can't handle a lot of traffic. We're seeing a lot of trash and, you know, uh, vandalism and, you know, just places are just not being treated the way that we would want them to be treated as photographers and as lovers of nature and as, as stewards of, of the environment. So, so we wanted to figure out, um, some root causes to the problem and also some solutions. So we spent uh, an entire weekend together trying to identify what the root causes were. We had another photographer named Scott Bacon who does a lot of software development and he was able to kind of lead the process and help us kind of figure out, you know, what, what is the problem? What is the root cause? And so we spent a ton of time doing like nominal group process and brainstorming and it was a really cool process. And then we sat down and all brainstormed what are some solutions. And we nailed on 
what we landed on was coming up with the seven principles um, of, of Nature First. Um, and the, the goal, of course, was to try to get those out to as many photographers and as many people that are visiting natural places um, as possible uh, to, uh, you know, to, um, to protect these places and, and have, a, have an impact. So, so and, you guys, so in essence, you guys created a framework for ethical nature behavior that you're promoting out through the photographic community. Correct. So, yeah, we want, we want anyone who considers them a photogra- themselves a photographer, which is really anyone with a smartphone, <laughs> we want anyone to consider themselves that way to, to, to engage in these principles. And, you know, I'll just quickly rattle them off. Um, the, the nature first principles are the prioritize the well-being of nature over photography, educate yourself about the places you photograph, uh, reflect on the possible impact of your actions, which I think, let's be honest, I feel like all of us are guilty of not doing that at one point or another. And if we look back at some of our own actions, we can say, oh man, I wish I would have done that. Um, so this framework really gives you a, a it really give, encourages people to just take a moment to pause and really just consider what's going to happen. Um, another one is to use discretion if sharing locations. Um, know and follow rules and regulations. Always follow leave no trace principles and strive to leave places better than you found them. And then lastly, actively promote and educate others about these principles. Mm. Very nice. you, you know what's scary? You know what's scary about that? What's scary about that is that you're 100 percent correct on everything you said. And over the years, and it's been mostly the recent four or five, six years, I actually see other workshop leaders not following those principles in the field with their groups. Now I've seen it. I, I, I'm telling mm-hmm. you, and. Uh, and you know, I, I think that as as important as it is to deliver a product that teaches people how to use their gear and see images and everything, I think part of it is also to adhere to those principles that that you 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 uh, so teach stewardship so, uh, along with photography. Uh, yeah, that's part of our job. Yeah, really yeah, agreed. Is. That's pretty well, awesome. It's, uh, well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's challenging though, right? I mean, if your livelihood is dependent upon um, people paying you to take them to really cool places, um, I can totally see the the allure of you know not following some of these principles to make to make ends meet and to have a have a financial gain. Um, I think we see it all of the time, but I think. I think that's a fairly short-sighted approach. Um, if you were to think long-term, not just for yourself, but for the entire community of other photographers, that is only going to make your job harder in the future because these places are going to become less yeah. attractive to photograph and they're going to be less enjoyable to experience. For sure. For well, sure. I think, I, you know, know, for me, Matt, I think the hard part is a lot of people see these really cool shots from these amazing locations and they want to replicate it kind of going back to what we were talking about before and those were shot potentially in an unethical way they went off trail they did something like you know last time i was in mono lake um you know they were climbing on the tufa down there 
to right. get this one incredible shot. And and uh, it's hard as a leader to tell people, no, you can't have that shot because the, you know what? the, the person who did that it. Hard, John. We've well, done it. We did it oh, yeah. many times last winter. Yeah, Remember? I mean, it is, but it's one of those things that you fight against. And, and as you were kind of describing Nature First, Matt, I'm like, how do we get this on the front page of Instagram? Get all those non-photographers or non... Um, I, I guess essentially they are photographers, but a lot of those people to start following some of this stuff. Well, we've um, we've been doing a lot of work. We have uh, about 4,000 members now in 67 countries, I believe. And we have uh, regional advocates in several places all over the world who are trying to build up momentum around the movement. Um, we just got our applied for our nonprofit status to the IRS so that we can start, you know, applying for grants and really to proliferate it further. And we've also been hosting like weekly clubhouse uh, chats with um, other photographers to get people just thinking and talking about these issues. You know, it, um, I think it just starts with word of mouth and, and really trying to change the zeitgeist of, of what is um, accepted as normal. And if yeah. you think about uh, the littering movement back in the 60s and 70s, you know, littering was pretty much commonplace. You would go, I mean, this is what I understand. I yeah. was not, <laughs> I, was, I was not, you know, I wasn't alive in the 60s, but. Yeah, I was, I was, man. I was announced in the 1960s, not the 1860s. <laughs> <laughs> My understanding is that, you know, littering was pretty commonplace. Like it was a pretty socially acceptable behavior. And there was a huge movement to change that. And it all started with Earth Day. Um, the launch of Earth Day really changed all that. And it was a huge grassroots movement to get people to really just start thinking about how do we treat this planet better? And so, you know, all it does is take a few very passionate, interested people to, to change the world. And so that's what we're constantly, every single day, trying to spark in others is that passion to get them to help us uh, get this thing going. So, Well, I hope you're successful. I, I, I actually, I think it's a great thing. Um, one, of, one of my fears, and John, I, you know, if I'm not, uh, if I'm not correct here, please correct me. For the most part, most photographers are pretty good. I, you know, they're, you know, everybody could be better, I guess, myself included. But, you know, I, I think we're a little more aware of this. What scares me is if you go into the national parks now, you know, the influx of tourists, both American and international, it's it's overkill. I mean, it's horrible, and and the paths that used to be you know two feet wide are now six feet wide, and and uh, it's just not the same. I mean, I see it Rainier all the time. It's, yep. it's horrible, and you know I think photographers are a little more aware of that. I don't know how you teach the rest of the people that go in there. Uh, to, to be better about things, but uh, it's, it's very frustrating. Uh, well, but I mean, people learn about these places through photography, right? Um, yeah, yeah, you'd think. Well, and, you know, we're creating these beautiful images of these places, and um, up until two or three years ago, 
I think most people didn't think twice before geotagging. Oh, this is at this particular lake. Um, you know, I was talking to Alex Noriega about a shot that he has of Mount Rainier at, um, I believe it's Tipsu Lake. And yep. he, it was one of the images he won with International Landscape Photographer of the Year back in 16, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he went there, there was no path, there was no trail. And he, like, carefully, like, skipped across some rocks to get to this particular spot to take his photo. And now if you go back to that area, he says there's a full-on trail right to where he took that photo. Oh, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And well, the classic shot from there is is that, that uh, shot in August that you go up there in the morning and you put your crown, the wildflowers in the foreground, and you got the reflection of the mountain and the lake, and, and that's what it is. And it used to be it just it was one big wildflower field. Now that field has probably over a dozen trails that lead from the path down to the water. Right. And that's all because of the social nature of us as humans and, you know, the lack of thinking ahead before we do stuff. <laughs> yep. 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 We're just not good at that as human beings. We're not good at thinking into the future. No. And yep. You mentioned uh, you mentioned prior to our podcast when we were talking that you're you're working with Tim Parkin on this. Is, is he a partner in this with you? Um, so. So Tim and I are working on another project, uh, uh, an actual landscape photography competition um, called the uh, the Natural Landscape uh, Photography Awards. We'll um, talk about that. Yeah, I would love to. And I will say that one of the things that we've implemented in that competition is that um, photographs taken uh, for that competition need to have the photographers need to have adhered to the nature first principles. Um, it's really just our way of plugging it for the through the through the competition. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's not like a great way for us to enforce that, you know, when we look at submissions. But um, whatever we can do to promote that is is good. Um, so yeah, I would love to talk, talk about that competition. Uh, we so you know when the results in the last couple of years of some of the major competitions have come out. Um, me and a lot of other photographers have seen a lot of backlash from the community in terms of what is being celebrated as nature and landscape photography and what's winning competitions. Not to say that that work isn't stunning and incredible in its own right, but I think it's, I think we can all agree that it's, it's more digital art than it is photography at this point, um, for a lot of it. Yep. And I'm not saying that's, I'm not saying digital art is bad. I'm just saying like, if you are a person who strictly adheres to making photographs, doing some minor adjustments in Photoshop or Lightroom, it's really almost impossible to compete in major competitions against work that has been manipulated to the degree that we've seen um, proliferated in the last 15 years. So, um, so what we wanted to do is we wanted to create a competition that um, provides a platform for photographers that are um, adhering to some of more of that natural style, that eyewitness approach of landscape and nature photography, not to say that it's unedited photos, right? Where, you know, we all know Ansel Adams edited his photos in the dark room and all that. Um, but what we're saying is we, we've kind of created a golden rule for our competition. And the golden rule basically says that the, uh, the subject of the photograph uh, must be adhered to. So, Basically, if 
if you were to look at the raw file and compare it to the final result, or if you were standing next to that person uh, when they took it and you looked at the final image that they're submitting, you wouldn't be like, what the heck is this? <laughs> uh, right? You would be like, oh, yeah, that looks pretty close to what we experienced. I mean, I, I see you. I see you kind of, you know, enhance some of the colors over here and, you know, you change the white balance over there and, you know, you, you did some of this and you did some of that, but, you know, the rocks that were here are still here. The sky that was there is still there. The, the mountain that looks like this still looks like this. The, the foreground doesn't look any different than the way we saw it. So it was mm -hmm. really just um, our way of trying to provide a platform to celebrate and um, elevate that style of landscape and nature photography so that people that practice it have a place where that stuff will be um, curated um, by a really strong panel of incredible judges. And uh, we hope to get hopefully thousands and thousands of submissions so that we can produce um, an incredible fine art book. Um, we want the best of the best, the top of the top images to rise to the cream of the crop to the top. Um, and we want it to be um, the competition that that photographers want to win, right? We want it to be the one that people think of as like that is the gold standard of 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 what I want to aspire to my work to be. So um, we've also um, Tim Tim has got a lot of experience judging other competitions. He's judged for several years on International Landscape Photographer of the Year. He's judged for uh, Wildlife Photographer of the Year. Um, he's, he's very familiar with some of the judging pitfalls that can occur with competitions in terms of why we always, you know, why we see like a hundred of the same photos of Iceland and Patagonia winning competitions. Um, you know, some of that derivative work is probably not going to score as highly in our competition because of some of the procedures we're setting up and because of the judging panel that we've selected. Um, we're really excited. You know, we've got Joe Cornish, William Neal, Alex Noriega, um, Sandra Bartoka, Sarah Marino, uh, Stephen Forrester, uh, Adam Gibbs, Alistair Ben. We feel like we've assembled probably about as good of a judging panel as you can get uh, for a competition like this. And um, we are just beyond excited to get this thing off the ground. It's been months and months and months in the making. We, we actually meet for about three hours every week and talk about i mean it's it's an incredible project to be involved in and tim and i are kind of the leaders but we've also recruited alex nail um who's a really fantastic photographer from the uk and we also have my friend rajas jodas warren who um he's a photographer from dallas texas who has entered a ton of competitions over the years so he's very familiar with i think his interest was in kind of you know, the frustration that a lot of us have experienced around what is winning and what is not winning. Uh, so, you know, obviously competitions have a lot of subjectivity and that's not going to shift here, but uh, we feel like we've done about as good of a job as you can in terms of designing something uh, that's going to, we hope, change the course of landscape and nature photography for the better. So, boom. Good for you. Boom. Is there a place where uh, everybody can find out this information do you guys have a website that you'd like to tell us about yeah absolutely it's a uh, natural landscape awards.com and already do you have any images up there that people could see so they can get an idea of what you're looking for we do um and we also have a um we have a rules page that kind of demonstrates some of the no-nos of what we're trying to get people to avoid 
Um, you know, most of it's around uh, s swapping subjects. It's about comp composite work. It's about um, egregious, I don't know if that's the right word, but um, Excessive. inclusion or removal of non-transient objects. You know, we see a lot of people, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to drop in a flower and a cactus over here from a whole other place. You know, we're trying to <laughs> not, we're trying to not do any of that stuff. Um, we're also, so, so I can't, I can't drop in that, uh, that big moon in back of that rock. Like I like to do. I can, oh, <laughs> yeah. Like you're, yeah, like I think you know idol. what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, you know, I Peter who <laughs> Peter, <laughs> Peter who, you know, but yeah. you know, it's a funny thing. I, I once judged a contest. Um, for a camera club and the winning image it was myself uh, the judges were I think it might have been um, geez I'm trying to they were they were, they were they were you know really um, really good judges there were three of us I'm trying to remember who uh, I'm not going to say it because I'm going to get them I'm going to say the wrong name but they were good quality judges and the winning image was a um a silhouette of a heron in a nest with a big round sun in back of it that was equally framed around the silhouette of this thing. And I asked the photographer, I said, where did you make that photograph? And he, he said it was made in Bath, Ohio. Hmm. Well, I happened to live in Bath, Ohio at the time. And I said, really? I said, I know exactly where that is. I said, the other end of where you took that is a water treatment plant. And where you're, and you're facing due north. The sun never sets or rises due north. And he looked at us and he goes, you got me. And we got him. And, and I got to tell you. Uh, it happens more often than not. So hmm. what you're doing is great. And uh, give the folks that website again, if you wouldn't mind, Matt. Yeah, naturallandscapeawards.com. And um, any images that make it to our final stage in judging, people will be required to submit their raw files so that we can compare Thank it God. to their JPEG. And, you know, anything that, um, you know, we are going to allow some, some some subjective kind of last minute choices from the judges in terms of like things that might be borderline and i you know our fear is that people are not going to submit stuff that's not against our rules um when it really is f just fine i think if you're not doing any of this stuff around time blending and composites and warping and um you know adding light that wasn't there and all that kind of stuff that we see so popularized mm -hmm. these days I think if you're not doing any of that kind of stuff, you're probably going to be fine. <laughs> How do you feel in your competition about about cropping images? Do you allow that? Yeah, cropping is no big deal. Um, you know, again, the, the golden rule is the integrity of the subject must be maintained. So, you know, we understand that. So if the guy has a 100 megapixel camera and you get an image that's he took that he's cropped down like crazy that wasn't close to being what it is. Is that going to be a factor? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I don't think that'll be a problem just because, you know, the other kind of thing that we point out in our competition is that uh, 
we really want it to be the the competition for photographers by photographers. So one of the other things that we mentioned in the golden rule is, you know, people that understand the photographic process, you know, if they look at the image and they look at the raw file, they're going to, if they can say like, okay, I understand what you did there. That, that makes, you know, I understand you were cropping. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a lot different than I'm going to take 15 raw files from three different locations and 20 different times and blend them all into a perfect, you know, artistic creation <laughs> that doesn't resemble anything that you experienced. I think yeah. there's, gonna, there's a heavy emphasis on, you know, images that reflect experience, experienceable places and experienceable events. And, you yeah, know, and like, you know, if that's what people want to do, go for it. Enjoy it. They call it digital art and let us know what you did. And there's and plenty you of... go back to Galen Rowell. Galen Rowell made the comment, do whatever you want to do, just admit what you did. And that well, was 30, 40 years ago. There's plenty of other competitions you can enter if that's what you like to do. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And there's very, very few that you can enter if that's not what you like to do. Exactly. Yeah. And Matt, let's re... Uh, let's re um, Re, re revisit uh, your podcast website so people know how to find that. So let's start there. Sure. Yeah. So the, the the easiest way to to find my podcast is to whatever you use to listen to podcasts. So if you have an iPhone, you have the. I mean, people are listening to this podcast right now, so they probably know how to do this. But <laughs> just just search for F stop, collaborate and listen, or search for Matt Payne. Uh, search for landscape photography. I think any of those search terms, it'll show up uh, in your search. Yep. And um, you can also see the entire list of every back episode and links to show notes as well as bonus episodes on Patreon on my website at mattpainphotography.com. And there's a link called podcast. <laughs> okay. Yep. And, and, and folks, uh, I, will, I will post a link up in our show notes. That'll take you directly to Matt's webpage for his podcast, um, so you can get through it through there or through your uh, mobile store, whatever, whichever one you use. John, let's put up all three. We need Matt's uh, podcast up there. Yep. We need his, uh, his beautiful website and then the the competition. That, so all three of those will be up on our yeah, show notes for yeah, sure. That'd be great. Yep. That'd I be always great. do that. So we're just about out of time. Um, Matt, is there anything else that you kind of wanted to talk about or, or even promote that you have going on here in uh, the strange year of 2021? <laughs> Hope not. He's busy enough. Yeah, I am very busy. Um, you know, I think for me, 2021 is hopefully my breakout year. I am trying to promote some like very in-depth, uh, exclusive one-on-one -on -one experiences for photographers, um, it's all about my approach to photography and editing and kind of my philosophy and um, all of those kinds of fun things. So I do have one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, workshops that are available as well, and you can learn more about those on my website as well. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Um, Jack, anything that you would like to touch on before we call it a, call it a day? Nope, I think it's all good. You know, John, let's just mention um, we have a photograph of the Pacific Northwest workshop scheduled for Olympic National Park. I believe it's May 11th to the 16th. Am I correct? Is yep. That, yep. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, banging up things uh, Sunday morning. 
that we still have one. I think we, I know we have one. We might have two openings for, um, and you can find that on either John's website or my website. Uh, I think we're linked here on the podcast. It's jackgrandphoto.com or johnpetersonphoto.com. Yep. And and I think the point is for people listening, you know, we are kind of starting to re-engage with the, with workshops for this year and so we've got a good calendar of workshops from uh kicking off in the olympics and then oregon coast the palouse um the palouse in fall which is a new one for us and go out there in harvest season which is pretty exciting um yeah and then some stuff through the winter so we're we're hoping to get this done in a really safe way you know jack and i are both going to be immunized by then and i uh, am yeah, you I'm are done. Already. I got my um, my um, um, uh, got my second shot yesterday. Yeah, I'm gonna start next week, so uh, that's a good thing. So, <laughs> so folks, you know we're uh, we're 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 kicking off workshop season. Um, our workshops are are fairly small, and there's a high student to instructor ratio, so uh, you get a lot of time with us uh, on each one of these workshops. So definitely check out the Olympics. It's gonna it's a great time of year to be up in the Olympic. National Park. Yeah, and please, everybody, check out Matt's information. Yes. Um, we could have probably gone another hour here talking <laughs> about this stuff yeah. uh, easily. It's it, a, it's interesting, and b, it's it's informative, and more importantly, it's timely and necessary. So please take some time and follow through on that. And I think it's going to help uh, to help everybody. You know. Yeah, for sure. Oh, thanks for thanks for saying that. Matt, yeah, it's, no, it's it been a yeah, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. As Jack said, you know, it uh, we could have gone a whole lot more. So we'd love to have you back on the show again. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah, the submissions open on June first for the competition. So you know, um, you can also get early bird discounts if you sign up to our newsletter. So I, I encourage anyone who's super interested in that to go to our website and click on the subscribe button and. You get a pretty substantial discount on your entries, so. Well, I'm going to send you my. I, I have a great shot, Matt. I got to send it to you because it's a it's an oversaturated mesa arch, and uh, I'm sure nobody's photographed that since about 100 people this morning. So I'll make sure you you get that. We yeah. just I just oh, sliders to the right. You know that's my credo. So. Yeah, sat- saturation to ten to eleven, baby. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. it. I actually so I'll get that to you that and then, you know, I'll, I'll uh you know, I'll, I'll follow that up with um some more icons. That's a good thing. Beautiful. Well Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll be in touch, Matt. Thank you so much for your time. We will. And folks, don't forget to check out, uh, you know, wetalkphoto.com for our show notes. And if you have any questions, comments, um, drop us an email, wetalkphoto at gmail.com. And so with that, I think we'll call it a wrap for today, Jack. You got it. Talk to you guys later. All right. Bye-bye.